People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. It's time for another episode of Premier League Insights as we move on to game week 10 of the season. We've actually made ourselves a, a loan signing today. No obligation to buy just yet in the contract, but we'll, we'll see how things go, making his, his Premier League Insights debut. Welcome to Liam Kelly from InfoGoal. How are you? I'm good, Ben. Thanks very much. Yeah, we'll have some contract talks, I suppose, <laughs> in the future. That's it. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how the debut goes, but... Um, Obviously, I'm I'm looking forward to to chatting about betting on the Premier League as always. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the the info goal model makes of some of the fixtures for this weekend. But before we get into the the upcoming games, what we we tend to do is have a, a brief update on our predictions from last week. So um, both Pinnacle and Info Goal actually lost out due to Tottenham's surprise win at Manchester City. Pinnacle went with the Man City win. Um, info Goal went with both teams to score. Um, however, both of us did come through with the under 2.5 in the Leeds and Arsenal game. So at the moment, we're sitting at 18 predictions each. Um, both Pinnacle and InfoGoal have got eight correct. Um, maybe it doesn't sound too impressive to some, but most importantly, with the, the hypothetical 10 euro or, or $10 bet, whatever it is on each game, um, Pinnacle would be at 75.07 and InfoGoal at 70.91 in profit. Um that means it's it's tight there. Same on predictions, close in terms of returns. But we'll we'll think about the the highlight fixtures for this week. Pinnacle's gone with the the Arsenal versus Wolves game. Some some good ones to choose from. But what's the info goal selection for the highlight game, Liam? Uh, for our highlight game, we're going with the probably the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, Chelsea Tottenham both wanting to show the title credentials. So we really fancy Chelsea uh, around evens. Uh, really high probability. Chances compared to the market for us, so that's where we're going this week. All right. Well, let's. Uh, what we'll do is we'll kick off with our our early Friday game, and and we'll get on to our, our highlight games a little bit later and see where that that value might be. But first up, we've got Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. It's the the first first game of game week ten, and probably not not holding out for a, a thriller in this one. We've got two of the the worst attacking teams in the league, especially if you sort of look back to to last season as well both of them could be missing their their main attacking threat for this match I think um, Callum Wilson might be back for Newcastle it might be one where he just about makes the bench but obviously Zaha the news came out yesterday that that he tested positive for coronavirus so he's probably still going to be isolating by the time Friday comes around in in terms of the or in addition to the the struggles in attack neither of them have a have a great defense either Palace have been shipping 1.7 xG per game. Newcastle's slightly better off at 1.6. I can't imagine either of these two are gonna gonna take the game to each other. But if if one can get an early lead, it will obviously force the other team on and, and maybe open the game up. Um, with the odds, it's it's Palace who are the favourites, despite that defeat to Burnley that we've just seen. There, their favourites at 2.35 or a 42% chance of a win for them. Newcastle were obviously also coming in into it off the back of a loss. They're priced at 3.45, which gives them around a 28% chance, according to the odds. Um, and the, the goal total is a bit low at 2 and 2.5. And 
And unsurprisingly, given what I said about their their struggles in attack, betters are a rule for the under in this one. Um, so, Liam, what are your, what are your thoughts on this, and, and where is the the value according to the info goal model? I think you're right about the not being a thriller. This wasn't. I was envisaging my Friday nights, but it's a barely watchable game to start off with. So we'll get on with that. <laughs> like you say, but with the with the attack, both attacks are a pretty poor Newcastle. Averaging zero point eight three non penalty xg per game. Uh, you're right about Callum Wilson as well. He's massively important. And he, like you say, he will he will be back this week. We think uh, he's taken sixty percent of Newcastle's xg has come from Callum Wilson this season. So you can see how how much they need him. Uh, the, I, I, personally, I don't think the short on attacking talent, which must be infuriating to Newcastle fans, but. So just, just actually like sitting, how much to sit back is, it's not going not going to suit Crystal Palace in this game. They they thrive on the counter attack. You made a good point with Wilfred Zaha being out that it's, it's it's, not really going to. I don't. I just don't see how this is going to be an entertaining game. Really, uh, our probabilities are mostly in line with the bookmakers. So there's not. Too much value to pull on, but we're suggesting both teams to score. No, it's not a popular selection for punters, really. But just the way our probabilities are going, it's probably a preferable bet than the than the unders in this game. Just in case someone breaks out, but uh, I'm I'm with you on this one. It's not it's not going to be the best of games, and I, I would tip with both teams to score. No, do you think? Um, I mean, it's it's a diff because they both of them are kind of recruited fairly. I would say heavily. They haven't spent a great deal, but I mean, you look at Newcastle, they've obviously got St. Maximan who sort of neutrals like, because he seems like he's always going to do something in a game. They've also brought Fraser in. Crystal Palace have got Eze. They've got, they've got Batshuayi. It's, it's one of those ones where the players are there. Is it, is it just for both teams that you think the, the way the managers approach the game and set up is really what works against them in terms of the attack? In terms of the attack, yeah. We can't really say it works against them in general, because uh, the both teams do typically overperform the expected numbers for the last couple of seasons, really. So it's worked for them in that way. I think that the both have poor underlying metrics, but at the right time, if that sort of makes sense. Earlier this season, I looked at Crystal Palace's XG by time and uh, by game state, sorry. And I think before the uh, Burnley game, it was one point five nine XG. The total that they've recorded when they were behind so it sort of seems like the when they are when they do concede they're out of the game and just sort of they, they can't impose their counter-attacking style if they are if they have to chase it so it's not I think it's just it is mentality with both teams and like you say they've both got attacking talents which it is frustrating to, to watch especially people like Eze, Zaha Alan San Maximan just be sort of shackled, really, and and hopefully this game might not not for the bet, obviously, but uh, hopefully this game it might there might be a more open, but you can't see it. We can hope certainly, and and whether that actually comes to fruition, obviously the Infogol model has its doubts. I I personally have my doubts as well, and and as does the market. But you never know. We could have a three three or four three on the cards. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Let's let's get on to our next game because we've got Brighton versus Liverpool next, and Brighton. 
got themselves their their second win of the season against Villa at the weekend. It's it's one that I mean, funnily enough, they didn't actually deserve it according to to XG. But after winning the XG battle in pretty much every other game of the season, the, the, from memory, I think it was just the Tottenham one that they didn't actually win the XG battle in. But they're they're due a slice of luck, and they they certainly got that against Villa with that two one win. They are much better than the the sixteenth position in the table that they currently hold, but whether they're good enough to to challenge this Liverpool side is obviously a, a completely different question. Even without the likes of Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jordan Henderson, Mo Salah, Liverpool still absolutely swept aside a, a Leicester team that were actually top of the table coming into the weekend. And as they swept aside, it was 4.3 expected goals without without their talisman Mo Salah. So... I don't think it looks good for the rest of the league, one in terms of having to play Liverpool, but also ones that are potentially going to challenge them in this title race because they, even sort of second string players, are really stepping up and they, they do look very, very good this season. Um, despite how good they've been, it, it kind of sounds contradictory to say, but maybe the market is is under, underestimating Brighton a bit because... Liverpool do have over a 60% win probability, according to the odds. They're at 1.636 here. Um, Brighton get just over a 15% chance with their odds of 5.75. And you've got a total mark again up at, or this one's 2.5 and 3. Most of the money so far has been for the over, so betters expecting goals in this one. It's one of plenty of interesting games that are are coming up this weekend. So so what do you make of this one, Liam? Yeah, I've got written down here, it's... Brighton's revenge on XG for the weekend, really, but <laughs> that's what it is. If, uh, like I say, the performances this season have been mostly excellent. Even again, at, at home to Chelsea and Man United, they were, I thought they were a better team in both, and numbers bear that out as well. So maybe they prefer playing the better teams rather than someone who's just going to sit in, in, the, in the deep block. But coming up against Liverpool, I mean, that, like I say, that performance at the weekend was ridiculously impressive really uh when you look at the team the starting 11 coming into the game it actually didn't look as too bad as when you were going in thinking of the amount of injuries that they had but to put on that performance there's been prior of it they've hammered Leicester in both games last season even though one of them was a last minute winner at Anfield I think so it's they had that in them sort of thing but to show it 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 was really impressive I, I think Coming in this game, we've got a, a bit of a bit of value in the price of Liverpool still, which surprised me. Uh, um, whether it's the bookmakers just underestimating the the uh, injuries again, or, or the the level of talent that will come in, it, it'd be interesting to see how the everyone knows about the Anfield record, but it'd be interesting to see how they respond away from home with the with the shortages they've got. So kind of hard to look into the away form by underlying numbers. It's pretty much warped by the by the Aston Villa game. So it, there's a, like I said, there's a small bit of value in Liverpool, but this is maybe just a want to sit sit back and enjoy for us. We're we're pretty tight on on most markets. Yeah, I know uh Jake certainly said I think it was last week about the the market reading too much into those Liverpool injuries and sticking with with Liverpool, I think they were just about odds on, which which he couldn't quite believe. And certainly the InfoGold model made them stronger favourites than that. And we we all know what happened there. Um, I just wonder with Brighton now, is it something? Do you think 
last season there was a lot of games where they they kind of edged it in in expected goals but didn't quite get the result we've seen the game we've seen the sort of a lot of that this season already is there something in teams that potentially have the the xg battle is fairly close in terms of individual games which then when you kind of continuously say oh they they should have won this game they should have won that game even though they're they're very close is that slightly deceiving in the case of brighton do you think or are they they are much better than sort of 16th, 15th and, and should be really top half and, and pushing on from there. Yeah, I think you're right with that for some teams, but with Brighton, it's I think it's completely the opposite way. It is the, it's the majority of the games that they have won the XG battle in. It's been pretty convincing win of the XG battle and our, expo- our expected points table takes that into account. It's not... It's not really just like who wins the XG battle gets a certain amount of points. I think it is it is worked into the the logic. We have them sitting seventh, so it's it is a pretty big jump from the sixteenth where they sit at. I mean, it was obviously they're happy to jump away from the four at the bottom to sort of separate themselves. All right, well, let's move on to our next game. We've got Burn. Uh, we've got Manchester City versus Burnley, and I mean, it's obviously not looking great for Man City, is it? They've lost two of their eight games already this season, three draws in there as well. So that's 12 points dropped from from eight games. And to put that into context, they only dropped 16 points in the entire 2018-19 season and just 14 points in the 2017-18 season. So way, way off that that dominant team that that we saw sort of two, three years ago. Um I'm not going to go as far as to say the title race is over. You may have something to say about that, but but they're they're putting themselves in that position where they just it kind of feels like they can't really drop many more points, and and the way that they're playing it, it just looks incredibly unlikely that they're not, they're going to be able to do that. It's I can I can see them really struggling against the the elite teams in the league as the season goes on. Um, maybe this is the game where where the attack clicks and the the season kicks off because it. It certainly needs to happen sooner rather than later. We know Burnley are going to turn up, set up camp in their own half and, and try and make Pep's team break them down. It hasn't really gone too well for them in the past. I think it was, there was certainly a 5 nil in there last season. I think there was a, a, a 4-1 or a 4 nil. that Burnley scored one, I think, a, a very fortunate long-range goal. Um, but you never know. Burnley are coming in off their, their first win of the season. They've got the second best defence in the league at 1.24 expected goals against per game. Uh, the odds don't give them much chance, though, at all. Uh, Man City are 1.187, nearly an 85% chance of the win here. Uh, Burnley at 14.62, so so they've got just over a 5% chance. Um, and then the other 10% goes to the draw at 794 the the total is fairly evenly split three and three point five, and it it must be, I mean looking at this game I feel like it's a difficult one for betters because it feels like everyone is just waiting for that four, four five six goal Man City to show up but but something isn't quite right they haven't done it yet whether they do is is another thing, but but how does the info goal model view this one? Yeah we see that we see this as being the game that they do break out really uh, we've got value at the over three point five like. It, you say that's a line there, so this I think this does represent the the opportunity for City to, to break out. They have this sort of mental block at Tottenham, so I mean they constantly win the XG battle convincingly, and 
just get done. So I'm I'm still hanging on to hope. We've we've done some work on the declining numbers from seasons past under under Pep Guardiola, but there has been a lot of uh, injuries up top, and they have sacrificed a bit to help out a strengthening defense, which really is strengthening, especially with Diaz and Laporte uh, cutting down the amount of shots and the and total xG. So. There's improvements there. I'd, like I say, I'm still hanging on to hope that maybe Aguero comes back soon. But Burnley have really struggled at that. Eddie had the last couple of last couple of years, like you've mentioned, they lost five nil both times away from home. So at Man City, uh, they were sort of hanging on at the end against Crystal Palace. A couple of excellent Nick Pope saves. So. I just think we've been sort of down on Man City's attacking process all season, but we do think this is the game that they break out. And but like I say, over three point five, we think that's value there. Well, yeah, I mean they they certainly need. I think they one it's it's not about even getting the win for them, is it? Is that, that I feel like they need to just put in one of those performances that kind of really shows that they are still the team that they can be. Do you think? I mean, the outrights for the Premier League, they've been, they were sort of flipping between Liverpool and Man City quite a bit. City were the favourites, but now we're looking at, we're looking at sort of almost evens or, or sort of just above evens for Liverpool. City drifting out to sort of 3.5, uh, 5 to 2. Tottenham obviously shorting, shortening up with Chelsea. They're around the same price now. And then really outside of that, there's, there's no sort of contender. So it looks like, a real sort of tight two-horse race with with Tottenham and Chelsea also on the fringes. Do you think that's a a fair reflection of, of where the league could look in sort of another thirty games time? Yeah, I think our our forecast table might need a few more games to sort of catch up with recent trends. Like we see with Tottenham, we've got them forecasted fifth. It might it might just take a few more few more games to see that really jump up. Uh, we've got Liverpool uh, over Man City. Over Man City now, I, I think it is just they've sort of set themselves. Uh, even if the underlying process does improve that much, they've set themselves probably too much of a of a task. Especially if they keep on going the way they're going, so so that that is how we see them. We we do we do think Liverpool in the league now. All right, then we'll we'll move on to our our next game, and we've got Everton versus Leeds and. I mentioned on the the pod last week that that Everton needed to get themselves a win, and they obviously did that at the weekend. Just about did it. It was I watched the get this one, and it it kind of looked comfortable. Then it was nervy. Then it was comfortable again, and nervy again. It was it was a, a weird game to watch against Fulham. Um, they didn't really create much in terms of their actual chances. There wasn't much outside of the the three high quality chances that they actually put away. Um, Fulham missing a penalty yet again proved costly. There, there was kind of so much hype around Everton after that that great start to the season, but they they have dropped off quite considerably, both in terms of the results, bar the, the last couple of wins they just got that, that would have been expected. Um, and I think also it might be a bit worrying that you you sort of look back to last season and, and we saw something similar over a, a bit of a larger sample. It was Ancelotti initially came in. They looked great going forward and there were still some some problems up at the back, but they, they really were a threat in attack. But then after the, the season restarted, after the, the lockdown, they, they dropped off massively again. And it's I feel like potentially here it's a chance for Leeds to get a win and, and sort of bounce back after that disappointing draw with Arsenal because... I mean, whenever you play against 10 men for, for 40 or so minutes, 
you should be creating chances. And, and in fairness, Leeds did do that. I think they hit the wood. I don't was it three or four times they hit the woodwork. Um, yeah, there was there was a couple of decent saves from Leno in there as well. It obviously ended nil nil, but Leeds comfortably won the the XG battle. But for them, at the the kind of point we are at the season now, it's one of those ones that a gap to the top half could open up, and they they could be looking over their shoulder all of a sudden if they don't start getting some results over the next sort of three four games. Um, they've also been a weird one to watch in the market this season, and it's it's one here where. Betters don't seem to to fancy their chances much at all. They're, they're on the road and the, the traders make them 3.82. So just a 25% win probability for Leeds. The draw is also 25%, pretty much the same odds at 3.83. Um, and, and now Everton are bang on even money at the moment. So they have a 50% chance of getting the win. Uh, a relatively high total, 2.5 and 3 one where the market sort of likes the over just a little bit, not not as much as other games that we've got on the board. Do you do you think there's any value on offer here, Liam? Uh, we think that total is a bit high as well. We actually think Leeds or draw is the value here. Uh, I know you're saying about them looking over the shoulder, but we we think their under, underlying process is really good. We've got them ninth in our expected table. Uh, you're right to make a point about Everton. The dipping after a great start on Dance like last season, it, even before the lockdown, it was it really dropped off. Uh, I mean, they got like you say, they got back on track against Fulham a bit, but the defensive process is a real worry for for me. They've averaged one point nine two x xG against per game in the last six matches. Uh, these are one of the teams that really take advantage of that. They're averaging 1.63 XGF per game, uh, missing some chances, which, like you say, haunted them against against Arsenal. But they were really impressive, especially in the first half. They actually looked a bit worse when they were when Arsenal went down to ten men. They just look like a team that can really give this struggle in Everton defence problems. I think they give every team in the Premier League problems, to be honest. But so we're starting with Leeds or draw in that game. All right, then we'll, let's get on to the next one because we've got West Brom versus Sheffield United. And I mean, we're only nine games into the season. We've already had a relegation six-pointer with with Fulham and West Brom. Um, and we've got a, another crucial relegation battle here. Uh, two teams or the only two teams with without a win this season. West Brom are, are two points better off by by virtue of the three draws to, to Sheffield United's one. Um the process suggests that the, the two positions should probably be switched, or I say probably they, they should definitely be switched over, but but that's about it. These are the the two worst teams in the league, I think. Um West Brom they're I mean they're they're worse than than any Sheffield United and any team in the league by by quite some way. They're they're slowly but surely bumping that horrendous expected goals output up. 0.69 against Manchester United now puts them at a, an average of 0.61 expected goals per game. It's it's bad enough, but but when they're also giving up over two expected goals per game as well, it's, I mean, if, if they don't go down this season, it, it, it will be a miracle looking at what we've seen so far. I know it's a small sample, but they, they are massively struggling. Um, Sheffield United, they didn't actually look that bad at the start, at the start of the season, but they're they are sort of down there for a reason now as well. Confidence is low. Maybe teams have worked them out, but it's 
it's obviously chalk and cheese to where they were last season. It's it's going to be their best chance to to get that first win of the season. I'm surprised that they're actually underdogs for this one, even if they are away. Um, it's very close. Pinnacle has, has West Brom at 2.65, Sheffield United at 2.98 and the draw at 3.25. So that equates to a, a 36% chance of a West Brom win, a 34% chance of a, a Sheffield United win and, and 30% for the draw. Does the does the InfoGold model suggest either of these two are a good value for that first win of the season? Yeah, same as you. We really see value in, in Sheffield United. We've got them as a 43% chance of winning. Uh, I was surprised to see that big of a price when I was looking at it. Uh, they do really look low on confidence, it must be said. But but they have faced... Uh, we've got West Ham... Uh, by our XG numbers, West Ham have had a really good start of the season. So And in reality, so... That that means that Sheffield United have had the toughest start of the season by average forecast position of opponents faced, and I think you you have got to take that into account. It's it is the the confidence that is the worry. I mean that to begin with, their attacking process is is poor. It's one point zero eight xgf per game. That's just made worse by the fact that they scored four goals from 9.75 XGF. So it's nice that they come up against the worst defence in the Premier League, uh, over 2 XG that West Brom are conceding. And uh, I feel like it's we're going to, uh, in for goal, we're going to harp on about it for the rest of the season. But this 0.61, like you said, per game is is frighteningly low. It's the worst that we've seen since uh, since Infogol started collecting data in 2014. So it's it's getting it's getting out of hand for for West Brom now, and this just represents a massive opportunity for Sheffield United uh, against Man Manchester United. The like people claiming that Man Man U were were poor, which yeah, I suppose you could. But even then, it was like 2.57, a 0.69 in favour of Man. Man U over West Brom, so if someone's playing, playing that poorly and then still dominating you, it's it's Defcon one for them, really. And we just talked about sort of the outright markets in in terms of the title with with Manchester City and and Liverpool and them trying to bridge that gap. There's there is sort of especially with Burnley getting that win, we're we're sort of looking at the bottom of the table beginning to take a little bit more shape now. And in terms of relegation, I mean Fulham are actually the 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 favourites to go to go down with West Brom very close to them and then Sheffield United and Burnley are fairly closely matched with with Newcastle and, and Crystal Palace in there. Brighton and Leeds still sort of you, you get prices of sort of 10.0, 8.0 on them, but it, it it looks like kind of the the four that are currently down there are really the ones that are going to be battling it out at the moment anyway. What does the what does the bottom three look like for you come the end of the season? Uh, we've got uh, the bottom three is uh, Sheffield United 18th, Fulham 19th and West Brom 20th. Uh, the, there is that sort of drop-off after after 16th. We do see Newcastle dropping into that into that sort of uh, relegation battle as well. But but like I think before the Burnley match, I saw somewhere that Fulham was like the way things were going. They were scheduled to stay up with seventeen points, so it's not not exactly. Uh, there is this sort of step down after a certain certain point in the table, but we we see it. We see Fulham dropping down into the the relegation zone, and and it's a bit of a. It's a shame that there won't be a, it won't be a bit more exciting towards the end of the season if there is only a few 
a few teams involved, but but it, they, they look kind of set that the, the struggle is at the minute. Whether Burnley do anything with the game in hand is will be interesting. So, but there is that other drop off. Yeah, it's easy to kind of look at it now, but you think back to to previous seasons, and often there's someone that around the Christmas period has that that really poor sort of long stretch of games where they struggle and you can very quickly get drawn into that that dog fight so it's it'll be an interesting one to to see how it how it develops but in terms of our games for this weekend we've treated to a maybe not a good one on Friday but but Saturday's got some decent games but Sunday is is really where we we get a lot of the the really sort of elite teams that are, are taking part in their fixtures and at the time of the recording, we we haven't seen any of the Champions League performances or results, and and that may obviously have an impact on on sort of these fixtures coming up. But the first one that we've got on the the Sunday is Southampton versus Manchester United, and Southampton couldn't quite hold on for for what would have been a, a big win for them against Wolves. They are still sitting in in fifth place in the table and and having a great season on the face of it. However. For once, they they actually seem to be benefiting from some good luck as opposed to being on the wrong end of it. Um, when you look at their sort of output, they they should be a little bit further down the table. Wolves definitely did more than enough to to win that game. And if you look at the nine games played this season, Southampton's process is really sort of more mid table than than one that sits just three points off top spot. Um, but in fairness, it is still six points down to sort of 14th, 15th, I think. So the the table's still got some more sorting out to do over, over the next few games before we really look at teams' positions and, and read too much into it. Speaking of sorting out to do, Manchester United certainly fall into that bracket. They, I mean, when you look at the, the game or the result on paper, they, they made hard work of the, the win against West Brom, who we said are, are by far and away the, the worst team in the league. But... A, a closer look at the numbers show that they, they did more than enough to, to get the three points. It wasn't just a, a fortunate penalty that they had to get retaken. I guess the the worry will be that they, they still aren't actually putting the ball in the back of the net. They they look decent at the back. They are now creating some chances, but if they're, if they're not doing it against the teams down the bottom, it's, it's going to be a lot harder when they come up against some of the teams that they've, they've got coming up in their fixture list. For Southampton, obviously, still no Danny Ings. It's it's one where United will will probably be looking to to keep a clean sheet and start from there. The market believes that that, that to be the case anyway. That under two point five goals is the favour at the moment. In terms of the one x two, Manchester United are, are just above odds on at two point zero six. They've got a forty nine percent win probability. Southampton are a three point nine three. So they get a 24% chance of the victory and the draw is at 27% chance or, or odds of 3.54. So an interesting one to get us going on the Sunday. Liam, what, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's a really interesting one and interesting in the markets as well. It's all pretty pretty tight uh, with the, that, you mentioned that over-unders there. We're pretty much in line with the with the bookmakers there. Uh, talking about Southampton missing Danny, Danny Ings, it was a bit clear last Last night as well, where Theo Walcott was through and could have given him a two two goal lead and squandered a chance. Their their attacking process has been a bit worrying over the last over the last few weeks. Uh, Zero point eight nine against Wolves, one against at home against Newcastle. Although although that was a good performance, zero point eight eight against Aston Villa, even though they scored four goals, and 
0.75 against Everton. So they have been overperforming their underlying metrics in that case. And coming up against that Man, Man United defence that has really improved since uh, October break, I think it's around 0.8 expected goals against per game since then. Uh, we mentioned earlier about the West Brom game being a bit more impressive than at first look. I think this game really sets up well for for the value bet that we've got, which is Man United to win. Uh, just the way that Southampton press and we know how dangerous Man United are on the, on the counter if they do find that space. So I think that's where the value lies. We've, it's only a small amount of value with us, but well, I'm willing to take a chance on that. I just think this game sets up well for Manchester United. And do you think, what about their chances for, for top four? If I mean, obviously, if they get a win here, that, that might be the value play. That that top four race looks looks a lot a lot better for them. Is is that something that you still see as a, a likely sort of attainment for them this season? Yeah, we've, we've got them sitting fourth in the forecasted table still. Uh, it's probably a lot tighter than it is than it was at the start of the season. We had them comfortably in the top four, I think. But it is hotting up now and these are the games that they need, they need to win to, to vault themselves off the table for that for that position. They do have that game in hand as well, which is which will come in handy. It's just all very tight up there, isn't it? It's uh, it's really exciting and and I think they do have to rely on that. You mentioned them about creating and scoring goals, just having a bit bit of trouble in that area. That does need to improve, but what we're seeing from the defensive process, I mean, apart from that Denver Bar goal in the Champions League, we're we're seeing some real, real. Uh, we can all have a laugh, laugh about that for a while, yeah. But we're seeing some real improvements. Uh, jokes aside, like it's it it is really it is really starting to solidify. Yeah, what they uh, I guess what they need as well is the the teams that we mentioned in that top four bracket of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, and Tottenham. They need them to also drop some points as well, and they've got. I mean, it's definitely going to happen in, in one way or another because the next game that we've got is Chelsea versus Tottenham. It's, as you said, the the info goal highlight fixture. Uh, it's it's one where, the, not to put you under pressure, Liam, the predictions are even more important for this one. Um, we've, we've obviously got a Chelsea team who, I mean, they boast the best defence in the league. I can't believe that's the case, that, that I'm saying that after the first few games that we saw, but... At just one one expected goal against per game from their nine games and and sort of the stats that get sort of thrown about since since Eduardo Mendy came in just the one goal conceded in the last seven games in all competitions it is it's quite incredible the difference he's made again it's it's still small sample range we're talking about here so so time will go on elite teams they'll have to come up against and we'll, we'll see how that they got on with that but it, it certainly looks promising for them. But they are here coming up against the the joint highest scorers in the league in Tottenham. That's that's according to to actual goals scored because they're they're not quite at Liverpool's level when it comes to expected goals, but they're on one point nine eight expected goals for per game. So it's it's still very impressive from Spurs, especially when when you consider how much of an issue the the attacking output was last season. It's top versus third. It's it's a London derby. It's Mourinho back to his old club. It's it's got all the makings of a great game. The odds suggest that it's it's Chelsea's to lose. We'll we'll get onto your prediction and why shortly. Um, but they're they're priced at just above even money at two point one one, so a forty seven percent chance of getting what would be a, a really big three points for them. 
Tottenham are 3.76, so just over a 25% chance of the win. Uh, and the draw gets the remaining 28%. Betters also like the the look of the under 2.5 for the for this as well. So perhaps a, a narrow Chelsea win on the cards. Um, so you you hinted at the the prediction of a of a Chelsea win in the in the intro, Liam. So maybe a little bit why you think that's value and and just how much value is on offer? Do you think? Yeah, we've got a lot of value in the in the price of Chelsea. Fifty seven percent probability we've got of them winning the game. Like you say, it's mainly down to the defensive process, which has been outstanding. I mean, you you. You blind it up there. I'll, I'll just run through the, the those last seven games that you were talking about in expected goals terms. It's zero point two six conceded against Sevilla, zero point seven eight against Man United, zero point six eight Krasnodar, zero point four eight Burnley, zero point six Wren, zero point eight eight Sheffield United, and zero point five zero against Newcastle. It's astounding from the, compared to the start of the season when they did they did look. Really shaky. Uh, whether that has turned out to be the the goalkeeping change, at, at, like we've just like we've just said there, that it's not really he's not really facing the chances, so you can't really say it's Edward Mendy. Maybe it's just that mentality of having him behind defence that's that's really really changed their outlook on games. That usually the the injuries in attack would be a worry, but Tammy Abraham's coming in look. Really solid. Uh, Timo Werner looks like he's starting to pick up the pace now, almost literally against Newcastle. And they really are starting to find their stride now. The the attacking process one point seven six xgf per game, which which is really solid. It's obviously not as like you said, Liverpool are way ahead of everyone, and then Tottenham. But Chelsea's is really good there. Uh, when we come to Tottenham. Yeah, we we don't really have any any fault with them really. The expected numbers they're a, a really solid team. The the game against Man City, although they did lose the XG battle there, it just stamped the title credentials there. It's more of a play on on Chelsea's impressive underlying process. It, it's it's just going to be a really good game. That I mean, they really don't like each other, so we're hoping for. One of the best games of the season, I think. Yeah, and so for for Pinnacle's prediction on this one, it, it does look like Chelsea are are a value play. We're not gonna we're not gonna be boring as we has have in in previous weeks because we've got a couple of options to to go with. Um, and and Pinnacle's actually going slightly with the market in this one in terms of over two point five goals. So I don't think any arguments can be made about how impressive Chelsea's defensive process has been, and and you sort of rattled off some numbers there in terms of the the expected goals against, but but one potentially where Son, Harry Kane, they've got the likes of uh, Bergwijn, Bale, all at their disposal, and and potentially Tottenham are a good value to get a goal at least here, and and Chelsea likely to also trouble Tottenham's defence. So so over two point five, the the pinnacle prediction for this one. Next up, we've actually got Pinnacle's highlight fixture in in Arsenal versus Wolves. Two teams here that that many would have had again as as top six contenders as they they tend to be. I think anyone who's analytically minded will will have known that that Wolves had a much better chance than Arsenal in that regard. But it it hasn't been the the greatest of starts to the season for either of them. Four wins each from nine games, but 
four losses for Arsenal, three for Wolves. Uh, it means that Arteta's side are down in 12th with Wolves in 9th. Process-wise, however, those two could actually be flipped over in terms of their positions in the league. Um, Arsenal have have improved at the back, uh, it has to be said, and it's, it's very clear for people to see, but they've, they've also sacrificed their attacking output as part of that. It was just 0.7 unexpected goals uh, against, their, against Leeds. Um, I mean, that's expected goals for against Leeds, I should clarify. And that was that was with Aubameyang up top as well, um, which has been a, a talking point for a lot of people this season. I think the the obvious caveat there is that, that Nicola Pepe got sent off after after 50 minutes, um, they've, but they've managed just 1.2 expected goals for per game over the course of the season so far. And it does look like a, a mid to bottom half table process overall, even with those defensive improvements. Wolves have have certainly dropped off from their previous two seasons. Still time to to turn it around, but I mean it's obvious now just how much maybe Jota brings to a team and and how much it, Wolves are missing that because they they are struggling in attack compared to to previous seasons. They've also struggled at the back more than the last couple of seasons. A bit fortunate not to concede more than they actually have already. Um, they had the the second best defence in the league last season, according to expected goals. And that 1.08 XG against per game has, has crept up to 1.37 in the nine games so far this season. The market is buying into Arsenal. I, I say that through gritted teeth because I know just how much Jake would be lashing into that. They're, they're currently priced at 2.12. Wolves are 3.92 and the draw is 3.7. So that's a, a 46% chance of an Arsenal win, 25% chance of a Wolves win and 29% for the draw. Now, I mentioned there, Jake. Jake's quite often made his his feelings known about the market not quite being in line with, with where Arsenal are at, uh, a tendency to, to overestimate their chances. Are you in the Are you in the same boat, Liam? Is there is there value against Arsenal here for the the pinnacle highlight game? Yeah, I'm personally not as strong on that as I, uh, I'm a bit more optimistic about Arsenal than Jake is, and a bit less optimistic than Jake is about Wolves. But the underlying numbers are, are really striking. Uh, we're actually find quite a lot of value in in Wolves. Thirty six percent chance we we think there should be a favourite here, and it, I think that game against Leeds just I think the red card against Leeds has sort of let them off a bit with criticism for the attacking process. They they actually looked at created more chances when they were down to ten men. But it's there for all to see that the Aubameyang's struggling to get any shots at all really and uh like you say, the defensive process has improved a bit. It's just it's come at too much of a cost. And coming into this game, Wolves, it was a really impressive performance, I thought, against against Southampton, uh, even though they fell behind. And we've we've actually got them as favourites for this game. And like you say about the defensive process being a bit worse than last season, that was something that you definitely couldn't see from them. That was what was keeping them towards the top of the table because... They haven't been as impressive as other teams going forward. So to see that creep up is a worry. I know they do go away from home here and that's where they've 
actually struggled the most going with the defensive process. It's been really good at Molyneux, actually. So you would hope that they can transfer that back to the away form. And Cody is probably back for this game too, which means that they can switch back to the system that we know they like. So at the prices, we we do see big value in, in Wolves in this game. Yeah, and it's another one I'd like to say great, great minds think alike. But the in terms of the one x two, I think Wolves Wolves is is certainly the play here from a from a pinnacle perspective as well. But again, to to try and change things up and, and make sure that the there's a level of competitiveness with the the predictions. Pinnacle's actually looking at the the goals market um, and perhaps a little bit safer of a bet according to the odds, but the the under 2.5 is the one that, that really jumps out again here. Both teams have, have massively struggled in attack. Both teams prioritise defence and it could be one that, that they really don't want to lose and, and even more so look to to sort of lean on their defensive strengths to, to try and get something out of the game. I would be interested to know sort of your... Your thoughts on the whole Abamyang situation? It's it's getting a lot of press now, and and people talking about it. Perhaps one of the the reasons why Arsenal are, are struggling in attack is it is it one that he shouldn't be utilised out wide? He is best served going through the middle, and that's something that the Arsenal should stick to. Or or is it a case that there's there's more problems or, or more issues than than just that? I think personally, I think there's more more issues than that. We've seen him. Worked perfectly well on that left hand side in prior seasons, and with even towards the end of last season when they're making a run to to the FA Cup, but we're seeing how decisive he can be in that position. So I I don't want to put too much emphasis on on that positional change, but it'd be interesting to see where he, where he does start in this game because with that red card against Leeds, it, it, we haven't really seen much of of what happens when he players down the middle or what, what they're trying to do with him down the middle. I think the overall the form of the people around him is is what worries me most. Uh, players like William who really started the season well and has just completely dropped off. I think that's got more to do with it than the actual positional change and, and it, just the overall setup. I don't know how he's trying to uh, how Arteta is trying to progress Arsenal up the pitch but it just doesn't seem to be be working for him at the minute and I, I would err on the side of caution as to bl- completely blaming a, uh, his position than than anything he has shown in the past that he can he can score and contribute from that that position too so I think it's more of a more of a team issue than uh, individuality all right then we're well, moving on we've got Leicester versus Fulham and I mean two teams here whose whose seasons have have been defined by penalties I think Leicester seem to struggle without them they've they've been awarded eight penalties this season that's twice as many as as any other team they've they've scored seven of them and and interestingly they they haven't had a penalty in the the three games that they've lost so it's something to look out maybe there um Fulham on the other hand they've won four penalties they're actually next in the list behind Leicester in terms of penalties awarded this season um but they've missed three of their four. Uh, the, the one against West Ham, that that definitely cost them a point. It was the last kick of the game and it would have made it 1-1. The one against Sheffield United maybe cost them three. They they scored afterwards and obviously a late penalty against them ended up that, that game being a draw. Um, 
the one against Everton is a little bit more difficult to suggest. They then obviously they scored after it again. Um, who's to say what would happen if that penalty had gone in? But it's you, you can't be passing up those chances when you get a penalty, and and that's something Fulham have done on three occasions already this season. That's that's that could prove very costly over the course of the the thirty eight game campaign. Um, Leicester are currently occupying a, a Champions League spot. They they deserve to be there based on the the bare numbers. When you remove those penalties, though, and this is something that I've kind of been saying week to week, they they do drop down the table a little bit. Um, Fulham, uh, we talked about the the outrights for relegation. They're, they're certainly in for a scrap this season. Week by week, they are getting a little bit better, but they need to to actually get results as well if they're if they're to stand any chance of of staying in the league. The odds do make Leicester quite heavy favourites here. There's sixty four percent chance the win with their odds of one point five two six. The draw is four point five five, which is a twenty one percent chance, and Fulham get just a fifteen percent chance the win with odds of six point three eight. Um, the over is split right down the middle at two point five and three. Betters might be hoping for a, a penalty or two to to get that over the line. Does does InfoGoal suggest there's any value on offer for this one? I think looking at it, this was the toughest game of the week from a betting perspective. Uh, we're pretty tight on all our markets. Uh, we've got a slight tip on over two and a half, but it's it's really hard to call. Uh, you're right about the penalties with Leicester. It's one point zero nine xGF per game. That's non penalty, like usually relegation numbers for that metric but we've seen how bad some of the teams are at the bottom so it's that we must add that they are really adept at winning penalties you can't really take that away from them but but at the same time it's sort of it's hard to it's hard to be too excited about Leicester at the minute especially after the game against Liverpool uh, Fulham's Fulham's defence is really poor again we've seen that in in previous Premier League seasons, it's it's just the same. Just the same this season. They're averaging one point seven five xGA per game against Everton. They were just conceded big chance, loads of big chances in the first half, and then and then try to claw their way back into it. I, I do have a bit of bit of optimism about about their attacking play, averaging one point three four. Uh, I think that is. That's steadily improved over the start of the season, especially with Luckman coming in. That, that the penalties being the talk about about him recently, but he has really improved their attacking process. Like I say, the market's just really tight. That this over might be a slight, a slight bet, but but I, I'd be I'd be wary on this one. Right, we'll we'll move on to our our last game of the the game week, and it's it's West Ham versus Aston Villa. Two sides that, that both looked like they were going to struggle to, to actually stay in the league last season, but both seemingly put the, the lockdown period to good use and, and came back as, as different sides altogether. West Ham, I mean, they had issues at the back and in attack, but their their attacking output drastically improved when, when they came back. Um, Aston Villa, it was, it was kind of more about the other end of the pitch for their improvements. They, they sorted out the defensive issues. They both obviously ended up avoiding relegation thanks to those improvements and they haven't really stopped there either. They've, they've can continued to get better at, at both ends of the pitch as well. Aston Villa do look look fairly solid at the back. I mean, Grealish is, is one that's constantly pulling the strings for them. They've recruited well and, and Watkins looks like he could be a good good addition as well. 
West Ham have have got their their hard fixtures out of the way. You mentioned earlier that they they look this decent this season. That they're eighth in the actual table should be around sixth um, according to expected goals. They've had their their main attacking threat Antonio out for a couple of weeks and and he's coming back now. Um, it's a it's certainly an interesting game from from two teams that I think many people wouldn't have expected to be in this position sort of a quarter or so way through the season. Um, in terms of the odds, though, we've got West Ham as the, the home favourites at 2.34. The draw is 3.65 um, and Aston Villa are at 3.05. And that equates to a, a 42% chance for West Ham, around about a 27% chance for the draw and, and 32% on Aston Villa. So it's it's a nice one to, to round off the game week. An interesting one to look at from a betting perspective is there... Is there an option in this market that you think presents value, Liam? Yeah, we've got we've got West Ham's value in this game. Uh, I, I too am really really interested for this match. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I was really intent on watching that West Ham Sheffield United game to see if we can sort of trust how how good West Ham have been over the start of the season according to expected goals. Just that they've had a really tough run. Uh, faced most of last uh, last year's all of last year's top five, I think. Uh, alongside Sheffield United, that was the hardest start to the season there. So I was just interested to see how they do do against a team that there was sort of thought of that they should should beat, and they're really impressive. Two point three xG or one point zero two. They did allow McBurney that chance to equalise there, but I think they should have been. Uh, long gone by that point, so I'm I'm really impressed with them. Like I say, Antonio coming back, they're averaging one point five five nine xGF per game, an improvement in defence. Now they've moved to that that back three. It's one point two five expected goals against, and same same with Villa. That that their attacking numbers are tremendous this season. It's one point nine three xGF per game, one point three six. Uh, expected goals against it's it's just a really good really good matchup and at the prices West Ham do represent quite a bit of value and I I I'd be really entertained by this game really I, I I'm looking forward to it. All right, well it's that's that's music to my ears, Liam. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but keep those positive talks coming about West Ham and you can you can come on every week. <laughs> It'll be a nil nil that much. <laughs> No, but it's all jokes aside. It's, it's been a a great Premier League Insights debut from you, Liam. Some some great insights shared, and and obviously really appreciate you taking the time to to come on and and help our listeners find some value. So so thank you very much. Oh, it's been been great. Thanks for having me on. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you do want to take your analysis a little bit further and look at some of the data that we've discussed in in more detail, then remember to visit infogold.net, download the Infogold app on iOS and Android, and of course, follow at Infogold app on Twitter. You can also get help with your predictions by following at Pinnacle on Twitter and reading the, the many articles that can be found on the betting resources section of the Pinnacle website. All of the odds that we've discussed uh, are now live on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and remember to always gamble responsibly. 